to Probably Science. I am Matt Kirshen. I am sat next to Andy Wood. Hello there. We're indoors. It's nice to be indoors We've today. given up. We, it's just we, it's just too hot today. We, we've retired to the safety of air conditioning. It's the third day in a row of triple digit heat in Los Angeles, I think, or close to it. Yesterday it was 102. And, and that's triple digits, we should point out, Celsius. Yeah. Dangerous. Water, <laughs> water could not maintain its liquid form outside. It's been uh, it's been triple digits kelvins for a while. Okay, that would be the exact opposite extreme. <laughs> a, but yeah, it's uh, we've been measuring Celsius, and yeah, it's been it's very 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 bad. Very bad. Uh, most people are existing as vapors. Right. Our neighbors. Uh, yeah. It's so hot. Their moving van is loading up, but I haven't even seen them. Maybe they are no longer corporeal. They're just ghosting in and out of yeah. the things. By the way, we didn't talk about this last week, but um, did I show you the 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 going away gift I got from the we got from the neighbors. Yeah, I was the one who told you about it because it was on the front doorstep when I came in to record. The most passive aggressive. Okay, I've lived in this house for five years, Jesse for six, and I've never spoken a word to our next door neighbors. Or I should say, they haven't spoken a word to me. I feel freer talking about this now that we're inside. Uh, they don't even make eye contact, and I get that they don't like. We're probably bringing the property value down. We're the only renters. Where that we have parties and stuff, and they're, they're everyone else here is wealthy families that just want to have peace just peace and quiet um so i don't know how much of it's that and how much of it is that they keep themselves and their assholes but um and how much of it is that we record this podcast outside every week and sometimes are vulgar and uh against religion some, so what, why so. could this be building up to some kind of gift so yeah they they could leave a going away gift of uh some bottle of magical blue potion booze like bright like neon blue like windex um, and then a note that says, uh, we're moving, away. dear Brendan and Stuart, who are the other two guys. So there's four of us for five years. It's been four of us, dear Brendan and Stuart. Uh, it was great living next to you. You will be missed. Like no mention of Jesse, no mention of me. Five years I've been here. There's no, there's no way they don't know that I live. Like it's, it's so. <laughs> Maybe they just didn't know your names and didn't want to say the other two guys. Mail. Yeah. Oh, those fuckers. Hey, Andy, we've got a guest this week. We do. Uh, and yeah. and for my money, I'm not even saying this uh, to, just because he's here right now, but I think, honestly, the second funniest Matt Kay in comedy. Nah. Take it away. Back off the ledge. <laughs> Back it off. It's the brilliant Matt Knudsen. Hey, thank you, guys. Good to be here. And um, just for the record, I'm actually out of doors. You guys are indoors. I'm out of doors. Yeah. We really should. a long cable on this, so uh, it was a mistake, feels like it's working. But you insisted on it. You're like, I need to be with nature. Yeah. I was like, I could not be more uncomfortable, and yet I insist. <laughs> yeah. I'm very hot. Birds perched on every extremity right now. I <laughs> you managed to convince all of them that you well, were a good wrestler. You mm-hmm. summon them in some way. I don't know how it is. Well, I'm like the uh, homeless guy in Home Alone. I just, <laughs> you know, I just kind of in the park long enough. They get to befriend me, and then I can kind of have my way with them. And then Which you, is great. Do you have a, a, a snow shovel that you're going to use at the end of the podcast? Well, sure. <laughs> Isn't that what happens? Am I I don't even I don't even remember. I don't is that what he Oh yeah, I that's right. The scary neighborhood guy ends up saving that was the his life. Right. Home Alone it was Joe 1 Pesci. and the homeless guy I think you're talking about was Home Alone 2. Okay. Ah, okay. okay. I could be wrong about this. It's been a while since uh I might be getting my homes alone mixed you up. You could be on the verge of some angry at replies. <laughs> <laughs> He's There's, setting himself up. It was Home Alone 1. Home Alone 2. <laughs> you dick. Lost Wait, New York. What? Jerk. Why are you so furious? 
instantly. Are there like people who are the same way with like the Star Wars movies about like certain Home Alones are canonical, other ones are like no, <laughs> only the John Hughes Chris Columbus or whichever. I do remember made the first. watching Home Alone two when it came out in the cinema with my cousin, and just. By then, we were just counting up the number of times they would have died. Right. Nah. <laughs> sure. Home Alone, Home Alone 2, is, they did that sort of thing of that they often do with sequels, which is, let's just do the first film, but in a different location and right. more. Right. And, but the things, that, like, the things that they were subjected to in the first film were unpleasant and painful and possibly scarring. Sure. But they weren't definite fatalities homicidal <laughs> right <laughs> they were more pranky than homicidal <laughs> the second one was just yeah well they're like hey remember the laughs we got during the first one let's create more reasons for that to happen even if it's inorganic yeah, too I wanted to make a video of like I bet I'm sure you could get Macaulay Culkin in on this to make like Home Alone Home Alone 8 right and it's just him as an adult still living in that house taunting people like it's a horror it's film it's like a right. saw sequel <laughs> exactly right. it's just torture like, porn and I think you could yeah. for the right amount of heroin I guess you could oh, have no. oh no 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 or just book his pizza I, themed band <laughs> I was gonna say yeah he's now he's he he is in a pizza themed velvet underground novelty tribute band wow zero irony yeah, yeah. Right. That is, and that's not that's not making that's 100% true and good for him yeah mm-hmm. or he's doing the uh, Joaquin Phoenix where it's like after like eight years like it was a character everybody like, I was yeah, just, we, we knew we knew yeah. the whole time when we were telling you and you kept saying no then like it was it was you got <laughs> me saying it the whole time yeah. Yeah. I wish I could remember the comedian who had a bit but he would talk about his friend who got like so incensed at Mannequin too. he's like alright uh, you know the Mannequin comes to life again come on <laughs> the chances of two Mannequin having that happen come on Kim Control She's not even in the mannequin too. Might have been Sean Green. So funny. Come on. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't seen either mannequin. Yeah, is it Andrew McCarthy and uh Andrew McCarthy, Kim, Kim Cattrall. Um uh, Meshach Taylor was also oh, okay. the sassy black friend. He was in Designing Women. And wasn't he like, in Beverly Hills Cop? N- boy, wasn't he? was he? in some other Maybe was it like he the, was. the comic relief in some eighties action comedy. Right. Uh, I think the comic relief in that was Bronson Pinchot. Oh, Bronson Pinchot was the Meshach Taylor type. Like a key, the tea, coffee, espresso. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, I'm not sure what Meshach... I know he was in that in Designing Women. I almost wanted to say Ghostbusters, but I think that's Ernie Hudson. Well, that's definitely Ernie Hudson. Yeah. 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 He wasn't Um, at all effeminate. I don't have it. IMDb and uh, send send us the Have you guys seen... I I should definitely link to this. uh, One of the best recuts of a movie or a trailer. uh, They cut out just the scenes Ernie Hudson's in for a movie called Ghostbuster, singular. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible. I'll link to it over on probablyscience.com. Wow. That's hilarious. No, I, uh, I have not... I have not seen that. What do you guys think about the all the various Ghostbuster reboots that are in talks? All female, all male again, but with Channing Tatum. Like, there's all these different iterations. Right. Um, you know what? A couple of my fa- uh, my favorite words are like reboot and reimagining mm-hmm. or attribute to. You know, just like. We don't have something You're a content kind of, aggregator. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a fan of, uh, of we weren't going to talk about the fat Jew, but now we are. <laughs> Which you might need to explain a little bit more for people who aren't familiar with that story, because otherwise that's a just weird says, thing just to throw out. Right. right. Well, He's are, talking about his neighbor, everybody. Right. <laughs> He's so moving these, away. So, yeah. We're recording, we're recording a few episodes in advance because we're both going to be traveling. So we've packed in a few episodes, uh, which will then be playing out over the next few weeks. So we have no idea. This is a story that might... That might have fully run its course. 
I think by the time this comes out, no one will be talking about it. By the this time song. this comes out, he'll be running NBC. Yes. Yeah. The point is, everyone. That is, that is the chosen name of an Instagram. Josh Ostrovsky, I think is Whatever he is, really? yeah. Someone who's basically built a very big following off the back of other people's material and then has somehow started to get sniff. Well, not there's no somehow about it. Once you get a certain online presence, various... Once you get 5 million Instagram followers... Old school get, media... Yeah, yeah, various, like, you know, un- understandably various mainstream media people start to sniff around and that's what happened. And then he clearly got a little bit too public and then... Everyone who is both someone who'd been stolen from or friends with someone who he'd stolen from, including some pretty big name comics, started kicking up a big fuss. Right. And pointing out that this guy is A, talentless, B, awful. And he doesn't even, it'd be one thing, he, he even admits that he's a content aggregator, that he doesn't create all this stuff, but he doesn't like repost things with attribution, just post them as if he created them. So yeah, the amount of yes, more time it takes. That. Well, yeah, the, the whenever that the amount of extra time it takes to Photoshop out or crop out someone's handle than it would just yeah. to hit the retweet or regram right. button. So at least he's putting in the work. Yeah, you yeah. know, he's not just he's not coasting. The guy's getting in Photoshop. He's opening files. There might be some layers. I'm behind this guy. It's, it's I'll be the only guy that gets his back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know. Why. I was thinking like yeah, in the new Richard Scary Busy Town books. You know those books that show oh, all holy the worm. Re- Are you kidding me? Real real jobs. You know, like firemen, policemen. Hell yeah. Stuff. Like the the 21st century version of that. It's got like content aggregator. Like right. everybody is just. I've in front watched of a Simpsons episode recently where they just um, they satirized it brilliantly. It's just like all the people that became homeless. They're like they were living under a bridge, and like one of them was like, I can coach your life, and like. Another guy's like, sommelier, who needs a sommelier? <laughs> it was just all the jobs that exist because of the luxury that we have. Yeah. We were talking about sommeliers yesterday, weren't we? Uh, I'm not sure. I was talking with somebody. Andy had a great pool party. If you have a chance to go to Andy's pool parties, by all means, come over. A few drinks. Very popular with his neighbors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The neighbors who are in the process of moving out. Yeah. I wonder if they um, strategically only showed. I assume that means they sold the house. And I wonder if the people that, that, that are moving in know anything about but us it was probably in the disclosure for escrow just so you know every other month yeah I don't honestly think you know, I, we sort of build it up like it, some horror house, but it's a great house. Once a month, they're mellow parties too. But like, yeah, yeah people like, sitting around the pool drinking beers and once, maybe a lot yeah. of music. Exactly, like you didn't. The music, the music wasn't at a high level and didn't go past. That's probably nightfall. true. And it's not like you're having like live bands back there. It's just we you know, have, but. Not at night, daytime bands. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, but it's uh, like three a year, basically. And also, even yeah. then, it wasn't like you didn't, there wasn't a drummer. There was, yeah, a, right. Uh, like sure, sure there was that, the dozen bucket drummers we hired. That was <laughs> just oh, my backpack team <laughs> sure. arrived. <laughs> But we were at the party yesterday talking about. I was talking about a phone player. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, somebody else. Yeah, right. Well, just yeah. the fact that like you know, so many blind studies have shown that wine connoisseurdom is for the we most part we were talking about bullshit. that and right. I'm like wouldn't you at the end of your day as a sommelier go home and be a little bit like what am I doing no. who, am I, who am I fooling <laughs> like your job and that's a question you ask while you're looking in the mirror who right. am, I, yeah. am I fooling myself uh, I agree it's uh, uh, um, you know it, the emperor's 
yeah. I'm wearing no clothes. It's but it's fun to have someone. It's like I was thinking. It's kind of like it's like magic, but you're not a magician. You, when your job relies on you pulling a magic trick, but you're not a magician, you right. probably feel some guilt because right. you're like, like right. this is an illusion. <laughs> There's definitely a difference between a five dollar bottle of wine and a fifty dollar bottle of wine. Right, but I, I mean, I don't but, have the studies in front of me. But whenever they've they've, yeah, they've they've been able to fool. They've done certain. Yeah, there's one that they did where they dyed white wine red using food dye. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Is, is that as all ex- right. <laughs> Experts failed to detect that it was actually a white wine grape. That, hmm. Oh, man, hang on, why did I say white wine grapes? Because they're right. white. I think, um, honestly, I think it's become one of those things where if you're, like, in the restaurant industry and you say, well, we have a we have a sommelier, and, you know, if you are the restaurant that doesn't have that, you're somehow lesser than oh, yeah. the five-star. Well, certain have wines no. definitely do pair better with certain right. foods, and certain wines are better than others, but there is also, there's an element of nonsense, and there, but there's also an element of ritual. Like, if you go to a yeah. really nice restaurant... It makes it, you think the food is better because the experience around it is right. better. Yeah, and it, does, and it genuinely does make the experience better. Yeah. You know, there, there's but, nothing... But the, the placebo effect is real also. Does that make it okay to sell placebos? At- yeah. <laughs> well, when it when it's- what do you work? Placebo co. Yeah. yeah, we just make. What do you make? Nothing at all. Kind of. We don't make I mean, anything. The placebo effect is really interesting in the. What I didn't realize, uh, Ben Goldacre wrote a great article about it a while ago, but I didn't realize how specific the the placebo effect is because mm-hmm. you know of it as just oh you take a fake you take a sugar pill and. It, you can be seen to be getting better, and there are physical changes that can be met that are measurable, not just I feel better, but there's you know shrinkages of ulcers and there's temperature changes and things, yeah, things that are physiological and objectively measurable. But I didn't realize how specific it is. Like the different placebos work better than other placebos. Mm. So, for example, I think a red placebo pill will stop pain better than a white placebo pill Mm -hmm. and a saline injection will be more effective than a sugar pill even though both of them have no active ingredients but one whatever feels like the more i have a few theories off the top of the head white is like aspirin we can all get that red is like who i had to go to go to the doctor to get this and then the the shot is like i can't even do this myself yeah exactly and whatever feels like the more expensive and the more (laughs) intensive and the more professional intervention yeah, I'm even starting to feel all, bitter already, Doc. Yeah. yeah, even though they're all placebos, they actually have different effects. That's hilarious. And if I can plug someone else's podcast, as I always do, uh, I saw Joe Schwartz, Dr. Joe Schwartz, who was last year's Skeptic of the Year. I'm not sure who votes for that. Um, but he was I'm the part guest. of the panel. <laughs> yeah, just for the record. Right. Is he really, though? Uh, um, he, see, I'm skeptical of this. Really? Yeah, well, then. Really? Uh, yes, and. Become, I'm going to guess that's it. the first time that joke has ever been done. <laughs> Do you think it has? Uh, right. So, yeah, Motion, Motion Casher down. has a podcast called Hound Tall, and he I did it live. On that podcast. He did it live at Montreal's Just for Laughs, and he had Dr. Joe Schwartz coming on talking about pseudoscience and snake oil. And uh, an interesting point he made, and we'll link to this also. Um, he talked about how if you give somebody, uh, um, I guess there are drugs that keep your body from responding to narcotics, like they can give them to people that are addicted to morphine or heroin, um, I think is how this works, and it wouldn't affect you as much or at all because it just shuts off whatever receptors in your brain respond to that. And people who are given those, who are then uh, set up in studies that are measuring placebo effectiveness or measuring effectiveness where the placebo effect would be also an effect, 
um, it doesn't do anything to them. So it's kind of the same when it does work. It fires the same things, I guess, that narcotics. Dopamine. Would. So, yeah. Or I don't know if it's dopamine or serotonin. I don't know all those neurochemicals, but um, if you give them that thing that makes them not respond to narcotics, they also don't respond to the placebo effect anymore. Interesting. And in a, 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 I believe it's called a dovetail transition, Moshe Kasher, myself, and Brent Weinbach went to Raisin Stark Bar for my podcast, Grabbing Lunch, because it's the world's only water sommelier. Oh, my God. They have God. a water sommelier. Oh, wow. No. So we sat, and the guy brought out different waters, and we had tastings. And, and Moshe's you know, not a drinker, so he, you know, he probably could be quite the water connoisseur. It was the water sommelier. To his credit, they were different, but they were very intentionally different. Like, one was kind of like this heavy mineral water, and then one was a lighter. Too many H's. Yeah. I'll take two, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> is this H2O2? <laughs> we changed the balance. Right. Yeah. So, um, and they had like noshable stuff and water. Make my hair change and, color. <laughs> that's right. Is this, is this normal? That's its specialty. Right. No, so uh, the guy was very nice and very genuine and, you know, but I've been mean, talking about going home at night like, what uh, do I do? Yeah, yeah. So you guys didn't, I'll have to go back and listen to that episode. You, I'm assuming you didn't, uh, you weren't too harsh with him. Um... You know what was interesting, and I could I could say this: we thought he was going to like hang out with us for a little bit and do some tastings and walk away, and we would hang out amongst ourselves. He pretty much stayed for like an hour while we were oh. all talking. So there, in my podcast, it's like we do sit, we sit around and we have lunch and hang out. Okay, yeah. There's a lot more riffing than you know having some guy lecture you about stuff. Yeah. So it was interesting for that. Um, I don't know. I'll have to listen again, too. It's been probably, you know, almost two years. Again, for listeners, it's called Grabbing Lunch with Matt Knutson. Yeah, just grabbinglunch.com. I had a great fun thing with some cl- skeptics who are more closed-minded than they thought they were. <laughs> in the, That's, it was a really... It was a really interesting thing of... I just... Like, I'm a skeptic, but I'm more skeptical than you think yeah, I yeah. would be. But it was, it was a beautiful example of confirmation bias, I think. Uh, I posted a really stupid joke, but what I figured was a very obvious joke about sure. a week or two ago, and it was when the, when the story of Cecil the Lion was Ugh. at its peak. Right. Uh, it'll be a month ago now by the time this episode comes out. Right. Well, uh, we'll never forget Cecil. Don't worry. Oh, this, is, this is evergreen, Maddie. Yeah. But I, I posted a picture of myself drinking from a can of Coke and I just posted it. I got it in front of me just so I get, get the wording right. But it was like, this is important to commemorate Cecil the Lion and show disdain for dentists. Post a picture of yourself with a kind of drink a dentist hates. And then at the last minute, I thought to add like, for everyone... Coca-Cola will donate $1 to the African Wildlife Reserve (laughs) and hashtagged it sugar for Cecil. Wow. But then what happened was um, friend of the show Emery Emery reposted it and he has his show Skeptically Yours and he's active in the skeptic community. And because of that, I suddenly got a whole load of comments and conversations from uh, a couple of skeptics who were trying to debunk what I posted. <laughs> it was the most fun I'd had. Like it was an entire day of fun, where they kept going. Like there is no evidence that this has ever happened. That Coca Cola has ever posted where? this, and like they kept going. Like you show me one place where where it says that this will happen. Oh my god! And oh, my... people are following up with pictures of them doing it too. I love it. Oh my god! It was. I... Jeremy, did you look for a job today? No, I didn't have time. Well, what'd you end up doing? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Oh God! What's joyous here oh is it my looks God. very much like the person who originally posted that has deleted his comment now. Oh, I think they figured out. I think, but I um, 
But it was really fun to watch because my tactic all the way through when they were like, you just show me any evidence. My tactic was just to pretend that I misunderstood what they were asking. I just went, like, uh, and I went, Dennis don't like Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. like, no, like, Even the one that doesn't like Trident thinks Coke is terrible. I was going like, yeah, I was as skeptical as you about Coca-Cola's motives because sure, they're a commercial company, but if they do some good through it as well in the process of getting free advertising, right. I'm all for it. Right. <laughs> getting angry. But it was, it was joyous right. to watch because clearly in their head, they were like, well, there's three possibilities here. Um, either this is real, which is not true, or this guy is has fallen for a scam, or this guy is perpetrating a scam. Not, not, not realizing the fourth possible the fourth. jokes. <laughs> this guy is a comedian. Yeah. Well, we can scratch off irony. That's not a sarcasm. Is not on the list. But that they, we know. It's beautiful that they were wow. so blinded to the most obvious. Like everyone else looking at it, instantly realized what it was. But they were right. so blinded to that obvious thing. That's blind rage, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. Their what? bottle was a highlight of the Gods Must Be Crazy movie, but there is no way that they are. <laughs> my favorite comment, I can't find the name of the guy who did it now, but who, who, my favorite comment from the people who realized what was going on was one guy who posted underneath it, sugar can't melt steel beams. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. I miss that. What is that? It like, just a 911 reference. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just combining all your conspiracies there we into go. one. I didn't want to pretend I was in on what was happening. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind. Jet fuel can't. That was the argument that some of the, the deniers or whatever. Truth, truthers. <laughs> they don't get to call themselves that. Oh, my God. I guess they do. Uh, they said that uh, jet fuel can't melt steel or fire can't melt steel or something. Right. It's yeah. just some thing that they start from as a... Uh, a self-evident truth and right. from that everything yeah. else must be bullshit. which uh, if if you're wondering if you're ever faced with that person the actual answer is uh firstly it can but also secondly it doesn't need to it just needs to get hot enough so that the beams can bend which is enough to remove a lot of their strength which is right. enough to let the building collapse in itself right um, the Twin Towers never walked on the moon. Well, no one ever yeah, said that. was. How, sure how are you yeah. even going in We're that direction? That. Oh, here we go. I actually found they haven't deleted the comments. Uh, <laughs> this, this is one of them. Uh, Matt, are you a bloody bot? Nowhere has nowhere Coca-Cola's spelled no space hyphen space where have they said they're supporting such a stupidly pointless campaign if you were the one starting this I fail to see the intelligence thought into the desired outcome it serves no purpose other than to fund coke and negatively affect people's health supporting this fast in no way negatively affects Palmer and the blanket reverse targeting of all dentists is mind-boggling in stupidity oh so please please post a link as to where Coke has said they're running such a dumb campaign please tell me that's a comedian also because that no no that's one of the genuine oh. ones and I just I want to re- respond to every joke I ever hear from now on with I fail to see the intelligence or thought into the <laughs> desired outcome it serves no purpose <laughs> I, I think why I, my response was just we might have to agree to disagree on this one <laughs> surely Coke isn't the healthiest of drinks and yeah they're profiting off it indirectly thanks to viral advertising but they're still getting a valuable message out there <laughs> oh wow it's it's so rare i respond to trolls if i do anytime it's i always just write back thanks for your support yeah and that's it that's uh, yeah. amazing oh my god i didn't i don't know how i missed that i love that <laughs> ah, ah, ah! <laughs> to see the be like ranch's keyboard i gotta get this out <laughs> Hey, Matt, we always ask, I guess, this before we get into the full story. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, what, if anything, is your background in science? 
Uh, you know what? I have, I am a college dropout. Okay, I, I finished high school. I did one class of one semester, and I dropped out. Mm-hmm. And I was a merchant marine after that. So, I, I always say it's the time I would have gone to college. Yeah. What so, did you um, do for the merchant marines? What? I was in the deck department. I was uh, uh, AB, which is an able-bodied seaman. You stand on the bridge, and you steer, and you navigate. So, what it, much, much in in Britain, it's the Merchant Navy. Merchant Navy, same thing. But, so what is... The, that isn't a part of the military. It's not military. It's like a union job. But uh, sometimes you could be on a ship that was in support of a military mission just because the you know the co- the uh, Navy only has so many ships, so you could actually so you know, transport cargo. What is the difference cargo. between being part of the Merchant Navy slash Merchant Marines or just working on a general ship like is that I think it's the same uh, on commercial ships the crew's much smaller because they're they're being paid more than navy guys like navy you're en- you're enlisted so there's three guys on bridge while you know you're on watch in like the merchant there's just one guy you know they really strip but, it but down but again these are, the ships are private commercial vessels yes so where, where did you did you sail everywhere? Did you? Uh, when I first started, uh, I went to school in uh, at, uh, just off the Chesapeake in Maryland. I flew down to Savannah, Georgia, got my first job. It was Operation Restore Hope in Somalia. So I sailed to Africa and came around. And so Europe and Africa on the East Coast, Japan, Korea, and China on the West Coast, uh, Central America. Sailed through the cool. Panama Canal, Suez Canal. And before. So Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, what was I going to say? What were you doing at college before you? Skipped? You know what I? <laughs> I got out of high school and I stayed in the same area uh, for the the junior college, and I couldn't get into college at all because it, it was so impacted. I I couldn't get the classes that I wanted. I couldn't matriculate into the system until they had my uh, you know my name, and then you're like the next semester they come around, you can sign up for more classes. Uh-huh. So I I signed up for one psychology class. Uh, I got a C on it. I signed up for five more classes the next semester. Uh, at the same time, I was a, a cashier at an office depot supply, you know, office supply store. Uh, signed up for the five classes, h- hated it, N- just stopped going. I didn't even yeah. like officially withdraw. So I think there's like five F's somewhere in my so past. The, the, but the C was was calling you. The C was good. And I, I met a guy who not the uh, had a party. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, she was saying, stay put, kid. <laughs> You're fine. We have enough of you. Yeah, um, but I, I just kind of through mutual friends met a, a guy that did it, and he introduced me to some people. And, you know, I think it's like any uh, introduction to any career. It helps if you know a dude, and then they just like, hey, here's, yeah. a, here's a guy. You know? So you were near Somalia for part of that time, you said? Yeah, I, well, I sailed to Mogadishu. When I got to Mogadishu, uh, we were supposed to be picking up some uh, some military equipment, mm-hmm. but it wasn't ready yet because they needed to like wash it and like sweep it for mines and bombs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we went up uh, and were on the hook, which is like on an- at the anchor uh, off Mombasa, Kenya for like a month waiting for this so they broke sea watches we'd like go ashore at night and go golf i rented a motorcycle you know so um nice. yeah and then it was like south africa durban south africa and yeah so that was kind of like that was like five years like from like 19 to 24 was it and then be- i moved to here in 24 okay was it before the somali piracy was a big thing no it was very much a part of like the protocol did you see uh, captain phillips i still haven't seen it yet captain but- phillips if you watch the movie that's exactly uh, that is what the modern merchant marine is. It's civilian guys working on stuff. I worked for that company. It was uh, Sealand. I was on the oh. Sealand Endurance. Were the boats that you were on Sealand Maersk, you know. 
Yeah. Were the boats I've seen working on similar to the ones that in the film. Hundred percent. I've worked on one of those exact same ships. Only that was the um, Far East run. It was the Sea Land Endurance? Yeah. And did you guys have a protocol in place? Do you have to train for what happens if you have pirates? Hundred percent. Yeah. And what, what would you have to have done? Um, well, you go to the you go to your muster stations, and then they did the thing when you watch the movie where you're supposed to like uh, put the uh, fire hoses out and try and you know bring the any uh, um, gosh what's it called gang ladder or the you know the the rope ladder the pilot ladder you have to bring that up and just you know secure everything but people don't have weapons on those merchant ships maybe the captain has like a pistol in his yeah. safe you know but that's also too like internationally if you're on a merchant ship it's almost understood like hey we don't have we don't have guns right. you know? the rest of the ships that america sends have the big guns right up front so i, I think they try and not betray people's trust like that i've i've read articles about how the somali pirates maybe this is already a bygone era maybe it's like yeah. five years ago um it was just this known. It was such a procedural thing on both ends, 100%. where like no one gets hurt. It's a built-in cost to have to do business out there. Like mm-hmm. insurance covers it all. They know they're getting the ransom, and they actually hire high-end chefs to treat their prisoners well. Wow! Like it's it's a point of pride that they like take you prisoner, but then right. you eat good meals. You wait a couple <laughs> days, they get their million dollars. Everyone goes free. And it's just so. It's like kind of like the Geneva Conventions we were yeah. talking about. Like there's rules to this right. thing that's inherently. Yeah, lawless or, or, yeah. like, or like when you're in certain places where there's where you know the police are corrupt but you just go in the guidebooks it even says like this 20 is the bucks deal. here 20 bucks you just, here yeah, yeah, you give yeah. them $20 and then they they stop seeing the thing that's wrong with your car and you right. have yeah, to carry yeah. on driving it's interesting so yeah I mean within the, the uh, shipping industry a Captain Phillips has kind of a bad reputation because you're supposed to sail 300 miles off the uh, off the coast in the, in that area okay. because they can't get to you when shipping with uh, uh, fishing boats but he was like, it's not a fuel fast. Yeah. Because yeah. usually those things uh, go between, you know, 17, 21 knots. And then a fishing boat will, you know, in goes 35, 40, yeah. you know, if they get one of those big Evan Roods on the back. Yeah. So, um, but that was that whole um, thing. And I actually had an audition to read for uh, Captain Phillips because I was, you know, I'm an actor. And then I also had this background. So I went in and like, did the, did the meeting the first like 15 20 minutes of it was tell us about your experience at sea and then there was like two scenes and it went like I, I it's so rare that I like reach for the cell phone but you're just like I just know at any moment <laughs> the call is gonna come and I will be in a Paul Greengrass movie and then it, it did not come ah. and it did not come but that's right I mean you know it was yeah. still a good experience you, st- but, you still get plenty of work but yeah it yeah, was, you, right, right, it was, yeah I guess it makes sense to right. kind of go someone who it was probably easier to find someone who looks normal on those boats and can act yeah yeah I I was going. I went in. I was like a, a, a second second mate, and those people they they kind of wear khakis, but they're like dirty and like the sweaters kind of like you know like crumpled pea green. It's just like that's not a that's ah, close enough, and that's what all those dudes look like. I thought in the movie they did a great job of oh, okay. you know because when I was shipping out. I would just almost I would wear coveralls, but I cut the uh, arms off and I'd turn them into shorts and I just wear that like with a T-shirt underneath it and like work boots. And they're like, yeah, you're fine. That's that's roughly the right color. (laughs) (laughs) You look in uniform enough. Yeah. Yeah. You're fine. What's that blue? Okay, you're good. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody cared. Most people wore jeans and, you know, flannels and stuff. Um, It's pretty casual. So did you uh, when you were at school, were there science subjects that you 
you took to? Do you have any teacher that you enjoyed? Any experiments, or did you blow stuff up in the woods? Uh, I was not a blow stuff up in the woods kid. I, you know, where, where I grew up, we could get fireworks and stuff. Um, the thing I remember being really intimidated by was chemistry and memorizing the periodic table of elements. Uh, it's still. Stuff. Does anybody it, it, memorize that? that yeah, like I thought in high thing. school you had to like you know because we had the like you had to do like twelve at a time the you know lanthanides or the you know yeah, yeah. I can see at least knowing what the what the but properties I, of the different columns are but like but I think that then it, also depends on the kind of we've talked a fair bit on this show about the wildly varied quality of science and mathematics teaching mm-hmm. yeah and it seems so much I was lucky to firstly I think my brain was well suited to those subjects but also. Like, um, I had a lot of decent teachers who taught the reason why you were doing things right. and the explanation behind those things. Uh, That's so a gift. It, That's a real gift. Yeah, which is more important than it motivates so much you. more important. Yeah. Like we've we've talked before about uh, my ex girlfriend had kids and I like, helped the teenage the thirteen year old with some he was doing some algebra homework and he was finding it hard and <laughs> annoying and upsetting but i saw how what he was being taught so i was like yeah i get it because right. you are you have no idea why you're doing any of this stuff right. all you know is when the question is this shape you put that number into that equation and that number into this bit of that equation and then you move the equation around a bit and you write down the answer and you have no idea you you're just basically like a, a factory yeah. worker on a right assembly on a line, line right on an assembly line with no no one's taught you that, oh, no, this is the carburetor and that, that does this on the car. You're just like, no, I put this metal bit in this metal bit mm-hmm. and then this plastic bit on that metal bit. Why is that important? I, put, uh, I, I don't know. Well, it's important because they I told do. me, You're the right. boss told yeah. me, and yeah. if you don't put that metal bit in that metal bit, then you don't get paid at the end of the day. So I put this metal bit in that metal bit. And you've got, that's how it's being taught. Right. And yeah. I, I, you, it's infuriating. And you don't come away with anything except for just... A hatred for rules. And it's rote yeah. memory. Rote memory isn't long-term memory. No. I was waiting for you to interject with your story. My ex-girlfriend had kids, and I was, you know, helping the 13-year-old because he's my son. And he's... Because <laughs> <laughs> he's my own son. And I, it's a, like, the point is... <laughs> almost like a moral imperative to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. spend some time with him, you know. Uh, yeah, um, I... I I still try and learn stuff new all the time, so I'm very interested uh, in the subject, but well, I haven't been actively in a classroom for, I mean, 20 years. Should we do a fun space story? I think we should. I think that's the thing that everyone can get behind. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm well behind space. I saw your um, your podcast at the LA Podcast Festival with Reese Darby. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, and yeah. the other guy, and he was wearing a NASA cap, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he worked for, um, um, oh, what's the name of the... I'm already forgetting who he worked for. JPL? Or he was in production, though. He was in TV production, but in space-related series, I believe. Like Discovery or Nova? Oh, my God. It's only been uh, two years, and I'm forgetting what. Flint? Well, was it Larry at, Flint? Yeah. Yeah. Publications? Yeah. Um, Flint Here's your anus. Oh, he was my Brandon God. Phipps no. was, uh, was uh, the other guest, and he works, amongst other things, he worked on um, uh, Cosmos and a few other things. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was before the new Neil deGrasse Tyson Cosmos came out. Right. Uh, yeah, and he he had worked on it. 
Speaking of that, I think this episode's coming out before... Yes, it is. Uh, big announcement. Um, you guys should come see us perform at the Los Angeles Podcast Festival because one of our guests will be Patton Oswalt. Hey, just well, hey. That. Any names? Or uh, just... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he's, he's great. I love Patton. Up and coming. Right. <laughs> Keep an eye on this guy. Right. I think he's going he's, he's places. Going places. I love Patton. He's, he's, got, he's, he's the best. He a cartoon voice recently, didn't he? So yeah, I think he was a cartoon in something. Yeah, yeah. He's getting, he's getting some, some heat. So, like, uh, <laughs> so he's going to be our guest along with a scientists to be named and you can get tickets to see us live or access to the video stream the live video stream um, by going to LAPodfest.com it's September 19th at the Sofitel in Beverly Hills uh, and use the code science if you're going to buy the live stream so you can um, get five dollars off Um, hey, are we gonna? Should we tell the audience who we're trying to get for the guest? Because I mean, I haven't heard back yet. Jin- I, I was, is it gonna jinx? Oh, whatever. It's fun to think about. Who we, cares? We, Call your shot. Yeah, give yeah. it power. <laughs> Say it into a microphone. Here's who we're trying to, to get. Yeah. This is this was suddenly like a late night text I got from Andy. I'm guessing alcohol was spy this to an extent. I just I didn't realize I was following this guy on Twitter, and I was like, wait, this is the ultimate guest. Be the ultimate guest because this is someone who's really not known for science, but, but does he, have he, a science background. He turned down a Fulbright scholarship. He has a master's in chemical engineering. Wow. He turned down. A Fulbright scholarship in the 80s because he was a very good looking guy and got to know Grace, Grace Jones. Jones. Mm. Can you guess where we're going with this? Uh, Grace Jones, I mean. And then started to and get. He was a bouncer. Then he was a bouncer. So he's that kind of build. Vin Diesel? No, think think 80s. Think a David Bowie? <laughs> okay, think. Uh, so he was discovered, I think, when he was a bouncer. Um, he has a martial arts background in addition Steven to. Steven Seagal? You're getting closer. Okay. Not American born. Mm hmm. Oh, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, even closer. Oh, man, I, so, I felt so confident. Uh, that's all I got. Um, Arnold Ivan, Schwarzenegger. Ivan Drago. Oh, really? Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. No, that's not The master oh, of the no, universe. All your congratulations on yes. so far right. is finding his Twitter account and website and mm-hmm. messaging through the right. So I said, to, I mean, but you know, stranger things have happened. He's giving a TEDx talk the week after PodFest, so I'm thinking that might hurt his chances of uh, being available for us. But Yeah, um, why not? I, I, I sincerely believe everyone wants to be a part of everything all the time, especially if they're in the entertainment industry. And just like, hey, you can have fans come and hear you have a good time. And they're like, yeah, I, yeah. I would I always say yes, you know? I think but, Brian May and Dolph Lundgren would be our two uh, yeah, greatest yeah. crossover guests. Brian, is, Brian May science. is the ultimate po- get. Wow. Because Bri- Brian May, if you're aware, like, uh, he's a guitar player yeah. and <laughs> um, for a pop group. <laughs> also going places. You should keep right. an eye out for Keep an eye out for this Brian the Yeah. Yeah, I had Colin Hay on Grabbing Lunch. Oh, my God. We went out to, oh, yeah. Wow. It just kind of like fell into my lap. We're like, hey, yeah, let's hang out. I've been getting super into men at work in the last like year or two. <laughs> Colin's so the great. best. And he so does good. shows at Largo all the time. And they are... So wonderful because it's just him with the guitar, and so he'll play a song, tell stories, and then tell stories that are funnier than I would say ninety percent of LA stand-up comedy. Yeah, yeah. he's Um, the best. uh, You, I think it is you as well who has the the bit about Queen's name. Oh my god! All right, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 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 And basically, the short version is that uh, what they rejected before, you know. Freddie and the Sodomites. Let's keep thinking. Because it's you know, a band right. called Queen, but Fred, Freddie Mercury is the only He's gay, the only gay guy. Yeah. And Brian, Brian <laughs> May is just like, uh, <laughs> and I think there's like an act out component where I impersonate Brian. Hey, like we were thinking of Rock and Roll Express. You know, no, 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 no. So, what about the yeah. four homosexual <laughs> <laughs> The four gay dudes. Yeah. Right? Right? <laughs> no, well, let's keep thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, that's fun. I love Brian May. Yeah, I love Brian Queen. May then, Stadium Rock, yeah, you know? But then best. he left, uh, but he took a break again from being a world-famous rock star 
to complete the PhD in astrophysics that wow. he left behind to that I did not know. Being queen, yeah. When, when his music career was taking off, he dropped out of his PhD, and then he completed it something like twenty, thirty years later. That yeah. makes so much sense. I mean, like music is math. You know, it's that. Yeah, it's just really the, does. Hundreds of years ago, those things went together. Right. The great mathematicians were also musicians. One, four, five. Yeah, you know, cool. We yeah. just turned the wheel. It's, it's logarithmic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Also, there's a big overlap between, like, mathematic- pure mathematicians seem to all love Bach. Oh, really? Mm, interesting. It's, yeah, it's the most mathematical and technical composition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these days, like Frank Zappa or something, or is that not? Uh, I don't, I'm sure there. Well, math rock is even a genre of right, music. Of course, it's just weird really? time signatures. Yeah. I have to add that to my Pandora mix. No, you don't. Math rock. <laughs> it's, it's, if you like songs in 17.8, right? <laughs> uh, that used to be a song on the Muppet album. Remember the Muppet album? And they were like two and two is four, and it was like I think it was Puppet Worms that were singing it. It's a. Well, I don't know. I yeah, derailed everything. We should say that by the way, if any of you are friends with either Dolph Lundgren or Brian May, and also fans and listeners of our show and what the nonsense that we put out and you fancy connecting the two worlds Mm -hmm. yeah do us a solid guy Uh, come to the LA Podcast Festival (laughs) September 18th through the 20th but yeah, uh, no matter what, Pat Oswalt is going to be our guest. That's so awesome. So come out September 19th or watch it live. Go to LAPodfest.com. And, and we were going to get... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, enter the word retail to pay full price. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell us... Promo about- code retail. <laughs> tell us about space elevators, Andy. Let's talk about it. Space elevators could zoom astronauts into Earth's stratosphere. We talked about space elevators before. Uh, it's an interesting concept, a way of um, sort of lessening the, like some of the biggest costs of getting out into space are the initial... Uh, ascent and um, Canadian space firm granted US and UK patents for an elevator designed to take astronauts 12 miles above Earth so they can then be propelled into space. Um, it's That's really so cool. Thoth technology, T H O T H. It sounds like an, a baddie from an 80s film. Yes, right. or, but it's also like that. I didn't want to even say it out loud because I don't want to show out of touch I am, but uh, the kids' lingo, T H O T, that word meaning a hoe. I don't know if that's pronounced thought. I have never, I've always seen it written on Twitter. This uh, is not even. Either that or you just go in there a bunch of emos. They're just like, yeah, we're, we've gone beyond goth. We're thought. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I've just learnt new. A new word that you don't want to pronounce what? out loud either or else will right. you sound like ancient. Yeah, to what you don't right. want to, you want to admit to having that uh, knowledge. Oh, everyone knows what a thought is. There's yeah. an article in Slate magazine. A thought is not a slut. The popular insults. The popular it, insult is more about race and class than sex. Okay. Anyway, so Thoth Technologies uh, has been granted U.S. and U.K. patents, and um, the tower named the Thoth X Tower will be an inflatable, freestanding structure complete with an electrical elevator and will reach 12.5 miles above the Earth, which is pretty damn high. That's Uh, pretty cool. Astronauts would ascend to 20 kilometers by electrical elevator. From the top of the tower, space planes will launch in a single stage to orbit, returning to the top of the tower for refueling and reflight said uh, Brendan Quine, the tower's inventor, in a statement. Traditionally, regions above 31 miles in altitude can only be reached by rocket ships where mass is expelled at a high velocity to achieve thrust in the opposite direction. Quine said that in the patent, the rocketry is extremely inefficient, or that rocketry is extremely inefficient, and that a space elevator would take less energy, explaining that uh, rocket ships expend more energy because they must counter the gravitational force during the flight by carrying mass in the form of propellant and must overcome atmospheric drag, in contrast, if you use an elevator system, the work done is significantly less as no expulsion mass must be carried to do work against gravity and lower ascent speeds in the lower atmosphere can virtually eliminate atmospheric drag. 
So it's lowering the cost of getting to space. I still don't quite understand how something takes off from the top of it, as in, like, how is there enough structural integrity to the thing to hold on to something that's then going to launch from it. But um, the whole thing really doesn't intuitively... I can't picture how this thing works. I would just say, uh, you know, you factor that into your lunch hour. You know, if you have to take that elevator to get back to work, just give yourself a few extra minutes. Wait for the express one also, because if someone just hits all the buttons on the oh, way out, no, oh, this space the elevator. Why do we keep letting those eight-year-old kids in there? <laughs> <laughs> Who brought their nephew? Who brought their nephew? They brought an elevator uh, uh, umbrella so they could hit all the top buttons, too. <laughs> oh, these kids! Oh! <laughs> I don't know why. Why they just rely on that one security guard who's always napping to be, like, at the base like they should just hire some more people he got he got fired from his job as jailer yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, uh amazing the elevators can be powered electrically or inductively eliminating the need to carry fuel the technology offers a way to access space through reusable hardware and will save more than 30 percent of the fuel over a conventional rocket thoth technology said in their statement um and when a traditional rocket ship launches from Earth, it flies vertically about 9 to 15 miles before hitting drop-off stages when sections of the rocket drop back to Earth. And um, during the final stage, when it enters space, it's flying horizontally. And the Thoth-X tower will eliminate the need for the vertical flight and drop-off stages, which are very energy-intensive. Interesting. Uh, you guys might know this. When they do those, uh, you know, the, they they burn off stages, what happens to that equipment? It just sits in the bottom of the ocean. Sometimes it's, they try to retrieve it. Uh-huh. Um, like recently in the last 10 years or so, people, I think like Elon Musk, well, he's trying to re-land that. Right. Yeah, SpaceX um, is trying to, yeah, is working on a system and they've nearly got it, but it keeps toppling over. Mm-hmm. But they're trying to get a system that will land on a platform. Wow. Uh, and they're for sure, they like lands in the ocean. Are there stories where it's like debris hits... You know, I think the ocean is Manchester so big. Or something. It's pretty easy to it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty mean, easy target to hit. I think right. when you're still just twenty but, miles above. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, to, my, to my knowledge, it has yet to hit a fisherman. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, uh, right. lots of things deorbit, and they just trust that most of the Earth is uninhabited, and they can't really control exactly right. where it's going to hit. People could get killed. Do you guys remember that promotion from Taco Bell where they had like this large raft that was floating off the coast of Australia? Oh, yeah, yeah. If the, if the, if the space garbage hit it, everyone got free tacos. And then they were like, yeah. what? I heard, I heard about like, yeah, the real. insurance policy like they had to take out against it because it would have yeah. cost them a billion dollars right. if this happened. But the chances were so little that an right. insurance company would provide them that. I guess it was worth the, the price of promotion. It's like the people that, you know, like, like actresses who like insured their... Legs or whatever, right. that kind of thing. I like, insured my vocal cords. Yeah. Right? Okay, whatever. Insurance target getting hit. <laughs> and there's also hole in one insurance for Japanese businessmen, because if you're a Japanese <laughs> businessman and you're a golfer and you make a hole in one, you have to throw a party for your entire country club where you're like the master ceremonies and you pay for everyone's drinks. So they will take out insurance in case they get a hole in one. In case they get a hole in one, so that they'll pay for their party. I can't. You, you would the, like the greatest accomplishment of your sport suddenly brings you like ten grand into debt. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. What if you just like take it? So then someone secretly like they're looking for the ball. He picks it up and no one's looking out of the cup and drops it near. It's like oh, it was so close, oh, so close, so close. So, close. Um, so this is this seems different to the, like the original traditional idea of a space elevator. Um, which yeah, I thought it was going to f- be a tiny ribbon connecting something that's actually in geosynchronous orbit. Yeah, originally. or actually above geosynchronous orbit. So the idea is. Uh, a geostationary orbit is one where the orbit where the where you're at the exact distance where the speed of orbit is the same as the rotation of the Earth, mm-hmm. so you constantly stay exactly the same point above the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea is uh, a counterweight 
that's way up in space, substantially above geostationary orbit, so that the center of mass for the entire system is above the geostationary level. Mm-hmm. Um, and is so, that rather more than fuel it, efficient, is that what is that well, the advantage of doing it that well, way? No, the it point wouldn't even that, have to be. It wouldn't have to have any structure to it mm-hmm. because it's actually being held in place yeah. by mm-hmm. the orbit of. The, so actually, it's under it's under tensile. It's a tensile structure. It's like um, it's basically being anchored in space by orbit. Almost effectively the same way that if you have a weight on a piece of rope and you're spinning it around, right? It's staying. It's staying up like that, mm-hmm. but just through the sheer the. But that thing it cool. looks like it's about, what, like probably eight Earth diameters away from Earth. So it's really far away compared to this elevator that's only about, uh, what did we say, it's 12, 12 miles. miles or so. So this is a tiny little thing compared to that way of doing it. And this would actually have to have – so it's it's held in place by – I don't know. It's inflatable. Is that the actual thing keeping it – is it is it full of some, uh, you know, lighter-than-air – gas that's holding it up or is it actually a structure i think before we get to this we need to get ourselves to oakland in less than three hours thank you now yes. let's get that tube let's working on tube technology come on i saw true detective too shouldn't they be working on yeah isn't there some uh <laughs> some, i didn't watch true detective too that was one of the subplots sort of they were trying to have it be like a sort of a chinatown-ish thing where uh there's instead of water it's a high-speed um central corridor Rail line or uh uh-huh, interesting no i just read this story of the guy's proposal and he all he did is he wrote up the the plants and the blueprint and he's like here it is it's gonna be 80 million you know however much oh, it yeah. was and they're like Billion. well what, what are we gonna do he's like i just made it and given it to you you guys you guys can do it yeah. yeah get the bond measures going everybody yep so let's see if i can actually figure out how this thing is held in place um the thoth one rather not the long one you're talking about matt no yeah exactly Arthur C. Clarke has something to do with one of the original proposals. Yeah, his proposal in 78 uh, in the novel The Fountains of Paradise, um, he... You guys have to see these people for their feverishly clicking for your resources. They they are working their ass off over here, guys. Yeah, trying to get an answer to our own questions that we should have researched ahead of time. No, hey, listen... (laughs) Research is for pussies. Yes. We go. We're doing it live. It's a double We're record doing- day. We'll do it live. <laughs> Bill O'Reilly. We're doing it live. And that thing, he was so flustered by the concept of someone playing him out. That's what it was. <laughs> like the, the, the two cards said, We're going to have Sting play us out. And he didn't know what that meant. Like, well, the song's going to play during the credits. It's like, what, what does that mean? He's going to play us out. What does, that, what does this fucking mean? Fuck it. We'll do it live. Like, why is that so. Why do you not understand the concept of. I, this, this tower uh, is more than 20 times the height of current tool structures. Right, so it would also be used for stay? wind energy generation, communications, and tourism. But you, it doesn't tell how it actually stays upright. No, I'm now looking at the Thoth. Uh, oh, here we go. I found I found a link to their patent. Okay, is that patent? patent that is that. Okay, no, that's all right. I just said you know tomato. Okay, so there is a full length runway. I'm looking at the more accurate diagram on their website. Uh, there is on the top. There is what appears to be a full length runway that can. The space shuttles can take off and land from. Well, there is also an illustration of the creator shooting heroin. So he, I don't know if he's really. <laughs> and they also, as part of the patent, they included a preliminary draft of the uh, script for the Mission Impossible sequel that'll be filmed on that platform, twenty miles above. So, Tom Cruise will do all his own stuff. Yes, stunts. of course, of course. I just saw that the other day. I was, uh, Betty, we were talking about the flappers, and I just drove over there and like sat because traffic. So I sat and watched MI. What is it? Five. Uh, now myself. they don't even number them. Now they're just names, right? right. Like it's the Caribbean, Caribbean Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. 
Um, I heard it was, it was, it was okay. good though, right? People yeah, said it was okay. I mean, the thing is, Tom Cruise—he just makes good movies. He does. He's a little—he's got a screw loose, but he makes great movies. It's, and he's also uh, from everyone I've talked to who has ever met him in person, they're always skeptical. Then they meet him like, "But God damn it, he's the nicest he's so motherfucker on the Nice is ninety percent of the game. Yeah. I've heard yeah. him described by someone who did who did a show with him is like, he's Hollywood nice. Like it's not. Oh, it's not that nice. Well, like I, I know somebody in the same like worked with like. Tom Cruise and also did something with Arnie, and he's like, no, Arnie is just nice, nice. Really? Whereas Tom Cruise is like lovely and great, and like great to be around. But you could tell, like, it's a sh- like he's doing a thing. He's doing. Oh, right. But then again, also you sort of go, that's still nice. Someone hey, if you are that. playing a character that's nice, play that character. Yeah. Right, Even right, if you don't right. mean it, you close doors and you're like, fuck everybody. When you're in public, these are your fans. Yeah, and you there. They're buying your tickets. If you're showing up with gifts in hand, which I've heard he does at things he doesn't have to come with gifts in hand for, I'm like, mm-hmm. that's a nice thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to like that guy. Probably. I think it's a class act is what we call class it. Act He's crazy, a class dude. act all the way. And plus, I've heard he might be leaving Scientology, which would make him... Oh, really? Which would raise him... Do you heard a, a Paul F. Tompkins story about doing a table read with him? No. Where, like, he went to uh, um, Paul Thomas Anderson's house, and it was like, it was like after Magnolia, and it was, you know, so oh, he right, invited right. a few people over, and, and so... I guess Paul gave uh, uh, Paul F. Tompkins the, the script and it was like it was not highlighted he was reading like five different characters and he was like fumbling through the script and he was sitting next to Tom Cruise but nobody introduced him so he was just kind of like sitting there and just like until eventually he's like Hi, I'm Tom. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that's your name. I know you from somewhere. Oh, I know you. Oh, you mean one of the most famous people in- <laughs> yeah. ever? Do you spell Tom the same way Tom Cruise the film stops? <laughs> spells it? Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who uh, used to teach uh, English to to Korea. He was an ESL teacher in Korea. Mm-hmm. And there they all get to pick, uh, you know, American names. They have the, you know, the Korean name and the American name. And the teacher calls him by their American name or the Korean name. So he had a student named uh, Tom Cruise. And one day he was in the airport at Tom Bradley. And a, a, a little Korean student came up. Teacher, teacher, remember me? I'm Tom Cruise. And he's like, it's Tom Cruise. Because <laughs> they're, all, they're all Brad Pitt. They're all, I'm Harrison <laughs> Ford. The last names too. They, go they to give them the American. full. They give themselves Why? the full. Okay, yeah, yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Cuba Gooding Jr. Right. It? Oh, it's, he loves to tell that story. So, friend of the show, Glenn Wool. Like, love Glenn Wool. Great guy. I'm oh, very funny comics. But he worked as a as a kid delivering menus for a Chinese restaurant mm-hmm. for a Chinese guy who had chosen as a Western name. Right. Larry, <laughs> <laughs> like a name where he was unable to pronounce. Oh, both right. sounds in it. Like, yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah, first time I full, met. Yeah, a full sixty percent of the letters in that right. name. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Larry. Hello, Larry. Hello. Wait, I don't think. First time I ever met Glenn, we did this show, for, and I don't know how we both got booked on it, but it was in the basement game room of some pizza parlor in Hollywood, and it was like for some church or some Christian mm. show. Like, oh, we're all going to do our, yeah, our PG material. Like, oh, hilarious. Yeah, that guy's great. Um, so in all this time, we haven't, I still haven't been able to find how I'm, this thing actually I'm stays upright. I'm looking through the patent, and I can't. It's it just doesn't. And it's twelve miles high. I will high. put a link to it on probablyscience.com, and anyone who cares enough about it can look up. I would say the most realistic version of that is like that um, magnetic technology, where if you stationed a, a you know a magnet and the pod kind of rose to it and came back down, almost like the train but straight up. Uh-huh. This long tube that goes for fifteen miles is very. Unfeasible. It seems tough. It seems very tough. It almost seems like it'd be easier to do the one that we were talking about, the counterbalance thing. Right. 
But uh, we'll see what happens. Well, I hope Cautiously. no skeptics get involved. Right. <laughs> yeah, Matty Kirshen's blowing up. Oh, he's at it again. There he goes. Yeah, and for every every time you take a picture of it. Right. Yeah, post a picture of yourself. And that was sent Coming in by, up with crazy ideas. That, that was sent in by Justin Broad, who sends in a lot of stories. Thank you for that. And if listeners want to send us stories, you can always email probablyscience at gmail.com or tweet at probablyscience. Um, Justin also sent a story that's interesting that also has a, a sort of a tie-in with um, with Hollywood, with the mm, entertainment industry. Hello, hello. Did you know that uh, astronauts are finding something troubling in photographs from space? And it involves LEDs. Astronauts aboard the ISS are snapping photos of Earth to measure light pollution, and they found something surprising. Light-emitting diodes, which are touted for their energy-saving properties, are actually making light pollution worse, and the change is so intense that ISS crew members can see it from space. And there's a couple interesting pictures here we'll link to on our site. So this is there's been a gradual switch over from old-school streetlights street lights to uh, LED lights. Sodium-based wow. and pressurized lights uh, that have more of an orangish-yellowish glow. Wow. Here's a picture from 2002. Um... Is it 2012? Uh, in 2012 of Milan from space. And then if you look at the same in 2015, you see all the white in the middle instead mm-hmm. of the yellow. Like that's where they've switched over to have wow. LED streetlights. And um, cities around the world have been replacing energy guzzling streetlights with brighter and whiter energy saving LEDs. In fact, New York is retrofitting all quarter million of its streetlights with LEDs in what is the biggest project of its type in the country. But those energy, sav- energy savings don't necessarily translate to happy city dwellers. In a piece in the New York Times, Brooklyn residents complained about the glaring white light creeping into their homes and eyes, causing many restless nights. Um, And it worsens light pollution by giving off more blue and green light than the high-pressure sodium lights they replace. And it washes out the night sky. Um, It uh, disrupts day and night cycles that can confuse nocturnal animals and alter their hunting interactions, migratory patterns, and internal physiology. And it also messes with our internal clocks. Um, we produce melatonin at night to help us sleep, which is regulated by light and dark cycles. And if we're exposed to light at night, that can suppress melatonin levels. Yeah, this is a so this is something that was designed to help energy waste. Uh, yeah, and it and, does. It do, and, I mean, it, it, there's no denying it does use less yeah, power. LEDs but are substantially more efficient. But there are consequences, and also it changes the. Uh, like I've seen things about how this is affecting shooting film, mm-hmm. shooting movies in Los Angeles or anywhere at night, because that's part of the look of the city is the old sodium lights, and now things are just this really stark blue green. Uh, like the movie always comes to mind. Uh, have you seen Collateral? Yes. Like when you picture that movie, mm-hmm. all I picture is the yellow of LA streetlights, and right. that's like kind of what you associate with. Agreed, and also too, um, those lights have been around since the twenties, yeah, the turn of the century, even you know some of them. So, and so it changes, yeah. So that's more of an aesthetic problem. This uh, one's probably a bigger one uh, since yeah. it actually affects animals but, and our but, sleep. Yeah, here's another consequence, though. Uh, but a good consequence. Well, this is something that will still benefit global warming and help slow the rate of climate change converting to lower energy usage lighting mm-hmm. um there's some again weird consequences of uh, le- uh global warming yeah um global warming is generally pretty freaking bad pretty bad for the world sure, well guys sure. the science is still out yeah. <laughs> but according to what if i was that guy for real yeah. so listen guys i've heard a lot of convincing arguments global warming global warming never walked on the moon <laughs> i don't understand that's not a thing, that's not a thing. Uh, 
according to this new scientist article, global warming will hurt the poor, but boost the rich in the short term. Fuck yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad we're all rich. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Climate change could initially benefit rich countries while damaging the economies of poor nations. That's the conclusion of a new way of modeling its impact, which changes or challenges earlier forecasts. Previous methods of estimating the economic effects of climate change usually looked at how individual sectors like agriculture or tourism would be affected and then added them all up to give the net effect on each country's economy. I, I just have a quick question. Was there a comma between agriculture and tourism? Agriculture, comma, tourism? Or is it agricultural tourism? Oh, no, there's... Why are you here? Let, look at the cows. There we, came, the we came from all over. <laughs> check out that barley. We got to check out yeah. that, Look at that ox. <laughs> <laughs> we came from Albany. We did. There is the word or in there. So agriculture <laughs> or okay. tourism. However, did you ever visit a farm as a kid? Because I remember we had to do that on a school trip. To- I worked on a farm as a kid. Okay, well, that's yeah. a different upbringing. I was a merchant marine. I worked <laughs> on a farm. That doesn't really... Yeah. It's the farm of the ocean. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> the merchant marine is very much the farmer of the seas. <laughs> yes. Jet fuel can, in fact, burn a barn. Yes. It actually... Oh, it's 100%. Don't, it's no all wood. No one doubted that. Yeah, actually, that's, that's scientific fact. Yeah. So I didn't mean to talk over you. You no, said please. that, that it, would, it, it would be a, a long-term effects. Uh digressions are wildly accepted in this show Great. and encouraged. Love it. necessary. Yeah, I love yeah. it. But, love it. Uh, such bottom-up approaches found that the climate change would immediately harm all economies, although the impact on rich countries was less marked. Hmm. But economist Derek Lemione from the University of Arizona in Tucson and climate scientist Sarah Kapnick from the U.S. National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration took a different approach. They analyzed past correlations between countries... Uh, economic output and changes in temperature and rainfall and then use the latest climate models to extrapolate those effects into the future creating a kind of top-down picture um well, they did use the word uh, correlate and extrapolate, so yeah, it's pretty a, convincing. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they found really that, well done. They found <laughs> that, they're proper scientists. That's how you know. They found that with one degree C of warming, the effect on economic growth in the following decade is roughly zero globally. Hmm. That's because lower growth in poor nations is balanced by higher growth in rich nations. Interesting. Fist pump. Um, yeah. <laughs> beyond that amount of warming, they estimate that the economic growth will increase by 1% to 3% in Europe, North America, and Australia, compared with what will happen in a no-warming scenario. But most of Africa, India, and parts of South Asia will see a drop in growth by as much as 2%. Hmm. The thing that worries me is like when you see the coral bleaching and like all the stuff that forms that, that's the the baseline for all ocean life. And it works up from there. So like th- then there's not as many krill, then the fish, then the it's. Is that a thing they're talking about as the, one of the first effects of warming is mm-hmm. co- coral bleaching? Mm-hmm. And it's just too bad because they, they don't look, need to look white. Like they look great <laughs> they as look is. Just like as it's good. natural. You don't need to <laughs> go Coral. Stay orange. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. <laughs> is bleaching their asshole. Don't bleach strips. your asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do that. You're allowed to have a non-bleached <laughs> coral asshole. Coral assholes should stay dingy. <laughs> they did, they're dingy. And then yeah. there's a little bit of a like fight back and a right. little backlash, and then suddenly people are like dyeing them red again. Oh. <laughs> the pendulum has swung. Yeah, coral's yeah. like, hey man, I'm just growing out my red. Right. <laughs> Do you guys know Henry Phillips? Yeah, he's yeah. got that great joke about like the woman who like like shaves her pubes like in the, in the wrong. She's like, oh, I messed up. Now when everyone sees it, he's like, wait, who's everyone? What's <laughs> <laughs> this everyone? Yeah, now everyone's gonna think, what do you mean everyone? Yeah. <laughs> 
What I like it is when people wait, 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 people. <laughs> God, so funny, so yeah. funny, and he's so like unassuming too. It just kind of talks to us. Oh, we got a <laughs> he, he, jokes like this. He was a guest on our show a few months ago, and we got more letters about his voice. Oh my God! In the positive, right? Yeah, it's okay. so funny. Just people like, I just want to keep listening to. Yeah, him and Tara Flynn, I think, are the two guests who we've yeah. had the most voice compliments. If you're listening to this and you're a fan of uh, Henry Phillips, is one of my favorite stories of his. He was like, we were in the parking lot at the Improv, and he's talking to Todd Glass, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, Todd, uh, my dad's coming in town, uh, yeah, next week, and he's he's a war hero, you know, so he he doesn't like loud noises or or crowds, you know. So I'm hoping to bring him to your show." And <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And that's like him. That's perfect, yeah, yeah, that's him in a nutshell right there. I want to be into your show. Uh, I, can uh, I can already picture the way Todd would then laugh at that. Oh, yeah. And he has that just, sort of laugh where he just collapses in on yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can try to hold it in for a second. And then, yeah. Classic. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, global warming so bad. It's I gonna, think I'm, but it's going to fuck the poorest countries and help the richer ones in the right. short term. I wonder if it's as simple as, I mean, these poorer countries are also hotter is it as simple as that is it the same way like portland's going to become the hot spot because now it's perfect weather there and uh, la is going to be unlivably hot yeah but also i wonder also whether there are times where and it might be it doesn't really go into too much detail about the mechanism it's just that describes the correlation but um i wonder whether it could also be at least in the short term and this is horrible but it's the the economic reality of the world when country when poor countries are really poor rich companies can get them to do shit for less money so it just keeps it spirals them farther and farther yeah you know if you've got like oh i mean less like manufacturing is constantly jumping between you know things used to be made in taiwan and then they're made in china and then they're made in bangladesh and like they're just constantly jumping onto the next country that hasn't quite poorest yep yeah and people want stuff so badly i mean i was in china and uh we we're in shanghai and so there was actually a, a soldier that was stationed at our gangway just to like kind of make sure and i went down one day and brought him a cup of coffee and gave him some like american change and he was just like he was blown away and yeah. it was like a few quarters and you know nickels dimes and stuff but they they want uh, Mac computers and they Levi's. Want, they want it all. American way of life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, they want Mac computers. God damn it. Yeah, they want Dell. They they, they want they, they want Intel inside. I'm very I'm very pro PC, anti Mac. Yeah, I know I'm using a Mac, but we've got into this before. <laughs> we've got into this. Look, Audacity is a good program. No, it's a fine. It's fine. It's yeah. Do you whatever would help us buy more great programs. Amazon is one thing I can get behind, if that's what you're going to say. I was going to say Amazon and or just donations. donating. Okay. Donating through yes. probablyscience.com. We always appreciate when our guests, uh, when our listeners rather, donate. Uh, and we don't, ha- again, because we are recording quite a few episodes close together to m- cover us for a break while we're traveling, uh, we don't have too many people to thank this week, but we do have Heather Huber, who is a new donor. Thank you very mm-hmm. much, Heather. And then Paul Freeland's monthly donation has come through. Thank you very much, Paul. Uh, anyone who's shopping through Amazon can use our Amazon link. It costs you no extra. We get a kickback. Uh, and uh, the... Oh, T-shirts. We always forget to plug the T-shirts. But if you go to Estoy Merchandise, 
We sell our t-shirts there. I think there's a link to it on probablyscience.com as well. I thought for every episode, I leave up a link to the t-shirts within the... Let me see if that's true or not. Just quick question. Does Amazon oh, bring I the don't. money by like in a white envelope soprano style? Or how do they just like, yeah, I got it off. It's, it's a little light this week. It's flush this week. We actually get it all in trampolines that we have to then resell. Wonderful. Yeah, it's a very inconvenience. <laughs> those are dropped by drone. Like I can't believe those things are even able to. It's poor. But uh, if you are not able to donate and you are not shopping on Amazon, the other way you can really help us is to spread the word. Tell people, uh, tweet it out there, Facebook. If you have a friend who you know listens to podcasts and you're talking to them, mention ours and you know talk about why you like us. Really go into detail, particularly about the English guy. You know, just really aggregate our content yes. and pass it off Feel as your own. Do all the Wait, aggregation. No, By the way, somebody did put up. There's a YouTube channel where someone. Put up every episode we've ever recorded as its own video with just the, our image as the which we, it must be a bot that just does a, that. That's right. ridiculous. But I mean, I, mean I, I would say it's flattery, except it's, yeah, it's a it's a bot and it's someone just trying to get some free revenue out of if people yeah. watch it. But right. then and I, it takes too long to individually file take down things for every video, as I've been trying to do for a different project of mine. Um, but you know, the more insulting thing is that most of them have like two views. Look right. on, if you're gonna rip us off, I right. hope <laughs> people and you get to the bottom of it and it's Brooks Wheeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a more successful venture. Oh, Brooksy. Also, write nice things about us on iTunes. Subscribe if you're not already subscribing. Mm-hmm. Do we have time to do one last story? Sure, why not? Make it fast. Do we have a quickie? Why not? Uh, there's one that Tim Coombe tweeted us in at our Twitter account at Probably Science. Octopus Genome holds clue to uncanny intelligence. It's a story in nature.com. The um, DNA sequence expanded in areas otherwise reserved for vertebrates. So with its eight prehensile arms lined with suckers, camera-like eyes, elaborate repertoire of camouflage tricks, and spooky intelligence, the octopus is like no other creature on Earth. Which is cool. By the way, have you seen that? Like, there's videos of octopus like an octopus They're amazing. jars and solving puzzles and picking the winner of the world cup I mean those <laughs> octopuses they know what they're doing yeah uh, added to these distinctions is an unusually large genome described in nature on 12th of August that helps to explain how a mere mollusk evolved into an otherworldly being it's the first sequenced genome from something like an alien jokes neurobiologist <laughs> Clifton Ragsdale of the University of Chicago classic Clifton yeah. you know <laughs> classic <laughs> who co-led the genetic analysis of the California two-spot octopus the work was carried out by researchers from the University of Chicago blah 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 uh, the scientist- It'd be so great if that's what it said in the article. They need seven hundred fifty words. Yeah. <laughs> the scientists also investigates. <laughs> some clever men did a thing. Yeah. Oh, some clever women too. Come on. End of article. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the scientists also investigated gene expression in twelve different types of octopus tissue. It's important for us to know how the know the genome because it gives us insights into how the sophisticated cognitive skills of octopuses evolved. They're going for that plural. Go yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, says neurobiologist Benny Hockner at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, who has studied octopus neurophysiology for 20 years. So Sounds recent- like a real looker, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Richard just want to understand how the cephalopods, uh, which is a class of free-floating mollusks, produced a creature that is clever enough to navigate highly complex mazes and open jars filled with tasty crabs. Surprisingly, the octopus genome turned to be almost turned out to be almost as large as a human's, and to contain a greater number of protein coding genes, some thirty-three thousand, compared to 
fewer than 25,000 in, in us. All right. We've got to kill these things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're about to take over. for comfort. Yeah. <laughs> right. This excess results from mostly... We'll start at Mandalay Bay, <laughs> the aquarium there. It results mostly from the expansion of a few specific gene families. One of the most remarkable gene groups is the protocadherins, which regulate the development of neurons and the short-range interactions between them. The octopus has 168 of these, more than twice as many as mammals, which resonates with the creature's unusually large brain and even stranger anatomy. Of the octopus's half a billion neurons, six times the number in a mouse, two-thirds spill out from its head through its arms without the involvement of long-range fiber such as those in vertebrate spinal cords. Hmm. The independent computing power of the arms, which can execute cognitive tasks even when dismembered... What?! have made octopuses an object of study for neurobiologists and for roboticists who are collaborating on the development of soft, flexible robots. Wow. I didn't know about the thing cutting off the arms that can still have some thought in the arms. That's scary. This is nuts. I mean, not thought necessarily, but neural activity. Right. Uh, Executing cognitive tasks. I guess. I guess that is. They're all like Mike the Chicken. Yes, Mike the Chicken has discussed on the dollop. Oh, my God. Oh, I didn't hear it on there, but I was familiar with the talk about this headless day. chicken that survived oh, for, for like 18 two. months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a gene family that's involved in development, the zinc finger transcription factors, is also highly expanded in octopuses. At around 1,800 genes, it's the second largest gene family to be discovered in an animal after the elephant's 2,000 olfactory receptor genes. The analysis also turned up hundreds of other genes that are specific to the octopus and highly expressed in particular tissues. The suckers, for example, express a curious set of genes that are similar to those that encode receptors for the neurotransmitter acetocholine. The genes seem to enable the octopus's remarkable ability to taste with its suckers. This is nuts! Yeah, this yeah animal... that's like bees, you know? Uh, taste with their feet. Oh, well, bees, bees are being used for um, drug sniff. They're drug sniffer bees oh, as well. Because really? they, they can be trained really quickly. Wow. Quicker than dogs and they're more accurate. <laughs> they all start playing the honey. <laughs> all the honey pods. They're like, no, where's it going? My life's work. <laughs> <laughs> just one drug dealer with a jam sandwich. Just yeah, yeah. Gets through. Um, Scientists uh, identify six genes for proteins called reflectins, which are expressed in an octopus's skin. These alter the way lights reflect from the octopus, given the appearance of different colors. Wow. One of several ways that an octopus could disguise itself, along with changing its texture, pattern, or brightness. Mm-hmm. And another discovery hinted at the basis of an octopus's intelligence. The genome contains systems that can allow tissues to rapidly modify proteins to change their function. Uh, electrophysiologists have predicted this could explain how they adapt their neural network properties to ex- to enable such extraordinary learning and memory capabilities. The octopus's position in the mollusca uh, f- phylum illustrates evolution at its most spectacular. Hmm. Uh, Hockner says, very simple mollusks like the clam, they just sit in the mud filtering food, and then we have the magnificent octopus, which left its shell and developed the most elaborate behaviors in water. Right. And here's the owls are getting all the credit for being smart. Yeah, and dolphins. Know. Fuck you, dolphins. Yeah, put a little mortarboard it's on the like octopus. The mortarboard doesn't fit as well on the octopus's <laughs> weird head is the whole reason for it. Yeah, the monocles yeah. don't stay in place. Like. Yeah, I, honestly, uh, I was in Vegas and they have uh, uh, at the Mandalay Bay, if you're listening and you have, I think it's like 35 bucks, it is one of the most badass aquariums and they have a giant octopus and it's its head's probably about the size of my torso. Oh, God. And it's in this, you know, you see the whole arm just like. <laughs> Amazing. Just underneath? Where, where is it? Uh, it has its own uh, enclosure. Anytime I, I see uh, um, animals in the zoo, it always kind of depressing me a little bit. 
but it feels like they have enough room. And then there's also tons of sharks that you just like walk into an aquarium and you're underneath. Oh, and it's they're one like of those swimming underneath you. That you walk yeah, through. Oh, I it's go to that. unreal. Love yeah, that it's, stuff. It's worth it. Hey, Matt, where can our listeners find out more about you and mm. your work? Uh, my name is Matt Knutson, uh, mattknutson.com, M-A-T-T-K-N-U-D-S-E-N. He got I it. I have all the buttons for... That was it. I, I spelled it right. <laughs> I spelled, well, wait a minute. <laughs> my name is Doug. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, all, all that stuff, all the buttons, and I'm, I'm at Matt Knutson on Twitter. I think pretty much all the handles i got matt canoeson nice so, awesome yeah thanks and you got albums for sale and a couple albums comedy stylings matt canoeson uh american that just dropped last year it's been uh, it's been doing good it's been a lot of fun and i i'm about to hit the road i don't know i do selective dates but uh i'm out there probably like three four times a year cool, cool. Well, look look him up on the website and see if he's coming if i highly I thoroughly endorse the comedy stylings of Mike. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, You guys are rock stars. So, yeah, check him out. Uh, You can check us out, as always, uh, at ProbablyScience, ProbablyScience.com. Also follow us at Matt Kirshen, at Andy T. Wood, and at Jesse Case. Listen to Jesse versus Cancer, Mm -hmm. Uh, incredible podcast uh, done by our friend who's currently not able to join us for the show for reasons fairly accurately described within the title of his other show. Pretty straightforward. Uh, But check it out. It's amazing. Uh, and also, I think this will episode will be dropping just before Burning Man. So is that true? That's true. That is true. This will be the last episode before that. If you are going, will it or will it go up when we? Yeah, it'll go up like the day we the day the day I arrive there. It'll go up. I think so. Okay, so if you get this, if you're listening to this now, we will post where we're going to be staying. If you want to come yeah. meet up with us, well, the you easiest know way be. would be to, I'm I'm at the camp called Broke Down Palace, and you can find things in the guidebook. So come by and say hi. And I think I'm going to be in Giggsville Village. Nice. So I think so. That All might right, change. everyone gets to name one area of the camp. <laughs> Giggsville, man, <laughs> Broke Down Palace. <laughs> that sounds like a blast. I have a bunch of friends that do that. I've never done. Uh, uh, so yeah, find us there. You found you hooked up with a probably science listener. Well, hooked last up is—it's uh, a different term in our culture. I did not hook up <laughs> right. with him. Uh, I had sex <laughs> with him. Sorry, I had kiss. sex with him. Mouth kiss. <laughs> mouth kiss. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, Russell <laughs> Russell Porter from yeah. Australia. Uh, we met up and sang a karaoke duet of um, I think Under Pressure or maybe it was some Harry Belafonte. Whatever. It, it all it comes back to Brian May. You yes. know? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So check us out. Subscribe if you're not already subscribing. Send us money to help us keep this thing going. Uh, check us out. Tweet us. Any questions, comments, clarifications, you can email probablyscience at gmail.com. You can tweet us at probablyscience. We will see you next week. But thank you so much, Matt Knudsen. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye.